0: We're going to read from chapter 6 in Galatians, verses 6 through 10. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will will, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Good morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask, Spirit, that uh, you would be in our presence as we go through this because it's not just the knowledge that we want to accumulate and it's not just the feeling of conviction, but actually having it transform our lives, that we were people of action because of how you've influenced us and how you're conforming us into the image of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new here, welcome. Really glad you're here. And uh, if you're kind of wondering, how in the world did this guy pick this passage to do we just kind of go through the bible chapter by chapter verse by verse and so this is where we're at and so if one of you feels you know i'm picking on you because of this bible message that i'm about to preach teach i am no i'm kidding it's the spirit working in your life i can't take any credit for it it's just god working in you and i hope that happens for you this morning There are a couple of key lessons I'd like us to take away this morning, and I'm going to talk a little bit about them before starting in verse 6, and they're found in the latter part of verse 7, and this is what it reads there. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And then also verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Paul wrote to a culture that was very familiar with agriculture because it was an agrarian society. And so this picture of sowing and reaping is an image that made a ton of sense to the audience that he was writing this to. Because the seed a farmer sowed is what he was going to reap or what he will reap. And a lot goes into that seed, what kind of seed it is, the quality of that seed, the quantity of that seed. Because a farmer doesn't go out to the field and he starts sowing onions thinking like, hey, you know what? harvest season I'm going to get some zucchini right I mean that's not how it happens and he doesn't sow a couple of seeds thinking that you know these two seeds are going to feed my entire family and he doesn't go out there and sow the seed of poor quality thinking like, you know this seed's just not that great but it's going to make me a millionaire it doesn't happen that way But this truth of sowing and reaping doesn't just apply to agriculture. It also applies to us spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually, morally. Job made mention of the morality behind sowing and reaping. Job chapter 4, verse 8 As I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. And Hosea also wrote about this. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7 For they sow the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. You, you reap what you sow. A truth that is found throughout the Bible, and the same goes for doing good, but we'll get to that in the latter half of the message. First, let's take a look at Paul's concern for the Galatian churches. What was this concern? That the Galatian churches were going to be deceived. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, he wrote, "'O foolish Galatians!' who has bewitched you? In other words, who deceived you? He wrote in chapter 6, verse 3, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So Paul was very concerned about the church being deceived. And so was Jesus. Now why is this? Because the enemy of Jesus wants you dead. And a good way to lead you to death is to deceive you. Jesus said this about the devil. John chapter 8, verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus had many warnings about deception. He said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, See that no one leads you astray. And his disciples taught the same thing knowing that deception would lead those who follow Jesus 2 John chapter 1, verse 7, John wrote, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. And before this biblical truth of whatever one sows, that will he also reap, Paul prefaced that truth with this in verse 7. Do not be deceived. In other words, guys, listen up. I have a truth from God to share with you. You will reap what you sow. Do not be deceived. You can't sow what you want, when you want, where you want, how you want, and think the reaping, the outcome, will be different from what you sowed. That's not what happens in the natural world. That's not what happens in the supernatural world. So we have Paul's warning here. Do not be deceived. Then Paul lays down some truths. The first one, God is not mocked. God is not mocked. And the Greek word here for mocked is defined as to turn up the nose, you know, or to sneer at, you know, any of you who have teenagers, that. They mock you. They mock you, right? I'm not quite there yet. So do not be deceived. You can't turn your nose up on God. You can't sneer God and think that you're going to escape without any accountability for your actions. See, in the natural world, we've gotten away with a lot of things because we've pulled some things off on our parents and we've pulled some things off on other authority figures in our life, right? Like the teachers or the coaches or other people. We've gotten some things away in our business dealings or how we've treated people. And so we've gotten away with some questionable things in this natural, physical life. And I think what we've done is we've carried that into the supernatural thinking that we can get away with things with a holy God. Especially a God that we can't see or touch and we turn our nose to Him and we sneer at Him as if whatever we sow, we won't reap what we've sown. Verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will He also reap. Your true harvest of what you've sown will be revealed. It's going to be shown. Maybe not now, maybe not even in the near future, but there will be a time when what you've sown or what you are sowing, will be revealed at the time of harvest. Now that this key lesson is brought forward in verse 7, I want to head back one verse to verse 6. Let the one who has taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. I have to confess this is uh, of (laughs) self-interest. I could just leave it at that. But the truth of verse 7 applies to verse 6. Right? To those who are in the teaching ministry. Now, I don't believe that the biblical truth of verse 7 only pertains to those in verse 6, the teaching ministry, because I think the biblical truth of verse 7 applies to everyone who is identified in verses 3 through 6, which is everyone. So why is verse 6 in there then? Because I need a raise and... um, I'm kidding. I wouldn't say no, but the others treat me very well. I think it goes back to verse 2 right? Bearing one another's burdens, as well as applying the truth of whatever one sows that he will also reap. See, anyone who has ever taught knows that teaching can be a burden. Any teachers here? Any burdens there? Amen, right? There's burdens there. And so anyone who has taught knows of this burden and the negative critiques, the responsibility of doing a good job, the lack of resources and living out and knowing what you teach and all those other things that make teaching a potential burden. Well, here's a way to bear the teacher's burden. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And then there's this application of the truth of whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Sharing all good things with the one who teaches is sowing good seed. That's sowing good seed. And you will reap a good harvest. The teacher who teaches well also sows good seed. It's not just a one-way thing, right? The teacher who teaches well also sows good seed and will reap a good harvest. And so in looking at the Bible, we find that Paul wrote and supported this. It's consistent with other biblical books to what is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. If we have sown spiritual things among you, if we, is it too much if we reap material things from you? And so what I think Paul is doing here is he's applying the biblical truth of sowing and reaping to a couple applications here. He applied it to the teaching ministry, like in verse 6, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And he applied it to each individual on a personal basis, verses 8 through 10, reads this. Now why does Paul specifically point out those in the teaching ministry and then he includes everyone else? I think this is a matter of holiness. A matter of holiness. A matter of righteousness. James chapter 3, verse 1. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Ouch. And so I think Paul recognized the burden of teachers and to share in their burden because those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Paul also recognized the truth in whatever we sow that we will also reap. So that if the burdens are bore with the teachers, we will reap what we sow. Now let's take a closer look at verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Paul is returning to his teaching of the Spirit back in chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Let me read that for us again. If you want to hear that message, just go into iTunes and we have all that online. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. We all still have this sin nature in us. We all still have the flesh. And as long as that sin nature is in us, we have the potential To displease God, and we have this constant battle within us between the spirit and the flesh. So the question becomes What will you sow? What will you sow? Will you sow the things of the spirit or the things of the flesh? Knowing that deception is present all around us, that God is not mocked, and for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So the question for us is What will we sow? Whatever it is that you sow, that's what you're going to reap. That's what happens in the natural world. That's also what happens in the supernatural world. So in looking at holiness, what will you sow? Because that determines what you will reap. And it's so easy to be deceived. It's so easy to even deceive ourselves thinking that we're sowing good when actually we're feeding our flesh what are we to do with the flesh, with the sin nature? Kill it. You Kill it. Chapter 5, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified. You Kill it. Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, how many people here compromise with the flesh? We keep it alive. We keep feeding it. We keep feeding those sinful appetites that we have. Now if you're doing that, what are you sowing? What are you sowing? What physical actions? What is going on inside of our heads, of our hearts? What are the things that we are sowing? If we sow according to the flesh, we will reap according to the flesh. Now, what does that look like? What is happening? Not forgiving. Holding on to bitterness. Holding on to resentment towards somebody else. Entertaining impure thoughts in your mind indulging in self-pity, sitting idle, exposing yourself to things that separate you further from God and not to the things that bring you closer to God, thinking about ungodly things rather than the things found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, which reads this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, what we sow is right now. It's real time. It's happening right now. It's happening as I am speaking to you. And those thoughts that you're having about me right now, please stop. (laughs) But you realize it never stops. Right? It never stops. And if you've wandered away and you're thinking about a sport, Thing happening. You know, it never stops. Sowing never stops. It's constant and it's happening. Whether you like it or not, it's happening. If you're not reaping what you want, if you're not reaping what you want, look at what you're sowing. Look at what you're sowing. If you're not reaping what is evident of a holy life, look at what you're sowing. Look at what's happening in your head. Look at what's happening in your heart. Look at what's happening in your actions. And perfection, sowing only to the Spirit, is impossible. It's impossible right now because we're still in this world. But the thing to ask yourself, are you more holy today than you were yesterday? Or a week ago? Or a month ago? Or a year ago? Is there growth? Is there growth towards a holier life where you're closer to being like Jesus today than you were in any other time in your past? And if the answer is no, it goes back to what you're sowing. That's the truth. It goes back to what you're sowing. If you sow to the flesh, you can't expect to reap of the Spirit. You can't. Onions don't become zucchini, right? So how do we sow to the Spirit? The same way we sow to the flesh. Same. Through our actions, through our thoughts, through our character, through our gifts, through our time, through our resources. It's the same thing. It's the same thing except that the aim as you're going towards the Spirit is that you're conforming into the image of Christ through the power of the Spirit. And not into anything else, not into anyone else. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where... Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Choose this day whom you will serve. Says Joshua mentioned about his house, right? Choose this day whom you will serve. Decide to sow to the spirit, and if you don't decide, this is the default. Your flesh. You've decided Philippians chapter 3, verse 19. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory in their shame with mind set on earthly things. Where are the seeds, those actions, those thoughts of our lives being sowed? What are you investing your life into? Verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption they'll reap death they'll reap destruction but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life now remember that paul wrote this letter to christians you sow to your own flesh and you will reap corruption destruction death upon your life you will perish not just physically but spiritually as well so if anyone does not sow to the spirit they are sowing to their flesh and they are perishing They are dying as the sin nature is in all of us. What are we to do? We're to share the Gospel with people. We're to disciple people. We're to let them know that their life on this earth is so short compared to the rest of eternity. That Jesus offers freedom, forgiveness, redemption. And so let's not get caught up in Christianity as a religion. Because the gospel stuff, this truth stuff, all this stuff is actually really simple. For whatever one sows that, he will also reap. And if you like it or not, you know that's true. Right? You know it's true. Just look at how farming works. Look at how hard you work in school to get your grades. Look at Anything in life, look how hard you work out to get the... or don't work out. You know, like, you, look. Right? Look, look. Right? So, sow to the Spirit... You reap spiritual growth. You you reap a relationship with God who has gifted you everlasting life. You and I, we're faced with choices all the time. All the time. To sow to the Spirit or to sow to the flesh. All the time. How are you doing? How are you doing? Sow to the Spirit, reap that which is of the Spirit, and pursue holiness. It's not about religion going to church, getting baptized, serving, giving, doing all the Christian stuff doesn't necessarily mean you're sowing to the Spirit. Because that can be empty religion just as much as it can be a pursuit of holiness. It can go either way. But how are you treating people when you are at your absolute worst? How are you loving people when those people aren't so loving? That's the truth. You can tell whether you are sowing to the flesh or sowing to the Spirit, not by the religious things that you do, but how you are living your life. Especially when you're vulnerable and you are weak and all those things are exposed in you. If you sow to your flesh, what you will reap will be evident in those times of vulnerability and weakness. The truth will come out. What you've reaped will come out at those times. Religion doesn't change those things in us. It doesn't hide those things in us very well. The truth is revealed. The Spirit changes what is reaped. But what do you choose to sow? And those are decisions that are made moment by moment, day by day. right, Kind of second by second. And the harvest we reap depends on what and where we sow. The world takes away a lot of our freedom to choose what we sow by defaulting what we say, what we do, to other things. Like they say, oh, you were brought up that way. Your environment makes you that way. Your personality, you you were born that way. And the world kind of like makes this attempt to remove the reaping that one sows. That does not happen. You can't say like, onion, I know it was a sunny, sunny time, so I know if you become a zucchini, it's okay. I know we're in a drought, and so if you become a zucchini, it's okay. That does not happen in the natural world. How come we translate that into the supernatural? How come we can make those leaps? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And I'm not saying that our personality or our upbringing and all those things don't influence who we are. They absolutely do. Of course they do. But it does not negate the truth that whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And no matter how much people try to justify their ungodly actions, God is not mocked. God's not mocked. You can't sneer at Him. You can't turn your nose at Him. You're going to be held accountable to those things. And deception is rampant. We're warned about that all throughout the Scriptures. And sin is sin. And we can't justify it by the flesh. No matter how we kind of define things. And the only way to justify sin is through Jesus. That's it. Freedom from sin. Justification of sin. Only through Jesus Christ. Life as it was meant to be by God is reaped when sowing to the Spirit. Death is reaped when sowing to the flesh. Where will you choose to sow your life? What do you want to reap? And when you know what you want to reap, then you can sow accordingly. Right? When you know what you want to reap. See, the reapers don't decide the harvest. They just go out and harvest. They didn't decide what went in. The sowers did that. Right? That stuff's done in the beginning. So what you sow, the quality and the quantity are decided way early on when you were a sower and you were sowing those things. And what is reaped later, whenever that is, is traced back to what you sowed. Who we want to become is largely dependent on how we have been formed way back here. On what we were sowing, what we were doing, what we were saying, what we were thinking, what we have done in our past, what we are doing right now. It shapes who we are going to become and what we are going to reap. Now we don't have complete control and all of us know that. But to the extent that we do have control we are accountable to those choices to those decisions that we make. And the choices and decisions that we make lead us to whom we become. So what are we to do now? Verses 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, for all you doers, this is perfect for you. This is something for you to do. Do good. Do good. Don't grow weary of doing good. Don't give up doing good. Do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, we know that no matter how much good we do, we cannot earn a relationship with God. We have an understanding of that in our church, don't we? I believe we do. We've taught about this many times over, and I think we understand that. I also believe that our church understands that even though doing good doesn't earn our salvation, doing good is essential as a follower of Jesus. You can't separate the two. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-10. through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Many times people, when they quote that, they forget verse 10. They just do the 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. But you forget the part, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we realize that we are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. You can't separate good works from a disciple of Jesus. It doesn't work. The good works don't save us, but the good works are evidence that we are indeed saved. You and I have good works to do. We have each been given a load to bear. Remember, Galatians 6 verse 5, "...for each will have to bear his own load." Last week's message, if you have questions about that. And that load involves doing good. It involves sharing good things. As a disciple of Jesus, know this. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has assigned you to carry a load, to accomplish a mission, and He has good things for you to do. There are people he wants us to attend to and to do good to. There are things happening around us that he wants us to influence and do good toward. God is working in you. Do you hear what I am saying? He is working in you. Do you realize? Do you. Do you f- mm. <laughs> the God of the universe has. Prepared good works for you to carry out. And all you have to do is walk and do it. Walk and do it. Because he's already prepared it already. You don't have to think of things up. God is partnering with you. God, the creator of the universe, he's working with you. I'm amazed. Me? Me? Me. Billions of people. And he's choosing you and, you and you and you and you and me to do these specific things. And you may think that your life isn't all great and, and things aren't that exciting. And maybe you're bored with school or maybe you're bored with work. Things just aren't that thrilling. I know you may feel that way. And I don't discredit how you feel at all. What I wish, what I hope for is that our church would listen to you and come around you in your discouragement while pointing you to the truth that God is working in you. You. In your life. You're not shelved and say, oh, later. He's working in you right now. Good things have been designed specifically for you to carry out. So, you know, own it. Own it. Bring it. All right, God, let's do this thing. What good is this? What good do you want me to do? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm just a little excited about that. Yeah. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's not about saying, oh, yay, good job. You, you're so good. We give glory to God. We give glory to God. Now back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If we don't give up. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, what exactly is doing good? What is that? How do you define that? Ask God. Ask God. Because the thing is, God has something prepared for you. I don't know what He prepared for you. I don't know. He said He planned it beforehand. I have no idea what that is for you. Ask Him. He'll answer. If you ask Him, He'll answer. He'll show you. He'll tell you. Now some of the questions that you can ask yourself in the meantime, am I known for doing good? Am I known for doing good? Am I known for my good works? And you can't just say, well, you know, I've thought about doing good, and I intended it to be doing good, and I've actually thought about it for a really, really, really long time. It's not about thinking good or feeling good. It's about doing good. You're to know, think all you want. It's about doing good. James chapter 4, verse 17, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I didn't write it. That was Jesus' brother who wrote that. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So, you ask God what it is to do. I I don't know. Ask him. But the thing is, when you know what the right thing to do is and you don't do it, for you, that's sin. Not for me. He didn't prepare that for me. For you, that's sin. And it's not just your intent, and it's not just your heart. There has to be an action that goes with that. You have to do good. Now, I know that some of you do good, and there are many of you here that I don't know, so I don't know if this applies to you or not, but then pray for the ones that it does apply to that I'm going to be speaking to. I also know that there are some of you who aren't doing good. You're not and you might be good people, but there are right things you know have to be done, and you're failing at not doing them, and for you, that is sin. And it's time for you to do good. And there are good works that God has prepared beforehand just for you. He prepared them beforehand, and you need to walk in them, and it's time for you to do good. Verse 10, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. As we have opportunity. Now, opportunity is around us all the time. All you got to do is walk down the street. Actually, you don't even have to walk down the street. Just sit here. It'll show up. If you're like, oh, no, it's not showing up, just raise your hand. I will direct many of them to you. Mm. Opportunities, 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 all right here. We just need to be aware. Right, you just need to be aware and not make excuses when those opportunities arise. Ecclesiastes chapter eleven verse four: He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Oh, feels good. Oh, look at the clouds. Huh. What, that? huh? what? Reap? Reap what? No, I'm looking at clouds. I'm looking at clouds. It's beautiful. That one looks like a dog. It's like. <laughs> Right? You don't get anything. See, excuses not to do good, because your head's up in the clouds. You're just kind of like wandering on, just doing your own thing, feeling the wind on your own self and not worried about anything else. You know, the circumstances just aren't right. The timing's not right. The situation is not quite perfect for me to act. And you have all these different excuses going on when there's an opportunity there to do good. We need to be sensitive to the spiritual leading when it comes to timing, of course. But we have to be aware of those opportunities. Right? We have to be sensitive to those things. Now take a look at John chapter 4, verse 35. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. See, it's not for us to determine the time. right? Because the disciples were like, hey, you know, harvest time is about four months. And Jesus is like, no, right now. I say right now. And so it's not for us to say, like, no, oh, Jesus, not now. Um, I need to take a nap. Or I need to do my nails. Or I do do my nails, by the way. I need to brush my hair and, or whatever. See, it's up to Jesus. We don't say like, oh, you know, four months from now. No, if the harvest is now and he says now, it's now. It's not up to us to decide when the time is right, when the opportunity pops up, then God decides, God leads, and we have to act as the opportunity presents itself. Something to keep in mind is that you and I can sow and reap, but God does the growing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. I, Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God gives who gives the growth. Now back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Let us do good to everyone. Everyone. We don't pick... Favorites. Like, I only serve Christians. That's it. And when people come, are, are you a Christian? Are you, uh, no money for you. Like, uh, nothing for you. See, we don't discriminate who we do good to, we do good to everyone. Everyone. And notice that Paul included everyone in his message. He wrote, As we have opportunity, let us do good. Because there are many times when people want the church to do good, but they themselves don't want to do the actual good themselves. All right, so I get so many ideas of what people want us to do and what we as a church are supposed to do and what the ministry staff should do and what the elders should do. And most of the time, they are great ideas about doing good. But the thing is, we and us also includes you. Right? I mean, it's not just we and then you take yourself out of the we we is including you right so can you imagine if every single person here looked for opportunities to do good to everyone if those who weren't doing good would just stop depending on the church to be their representative to do good which isn't biblical by the way and you actually looked for opportunities to do good what kind of impact we would have if everyone was looking out to do good for everyone See, there are people, there are places, circumstances that you can do good in that other people here cannot do because God prepared it beforehand for you. And if you own that task of doing good, people's lives would be changed because you are obedient to God's Word. So whom we do good to applies to everyone. And then Paul gets specific as to who we are to do especially good to. And they are of the household of faith. Right, Our brothers and sisters, our family, to whom there's this special responsibility to. And why is that? Because if you can't do good to your own family, how in the world are you going to do good to a complete stranger or even an enemy? How are you going to pull that off? You can't. Now notice how all this works. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, and if we do not give up, because sowing... It's hard work. I mean, it's long hours. It's a lot of effort. And you know there won't be anything to reap if you don't do it, though. You you know it won't happen. But that doesn't change the fact that it is an exhausting thing. It's a tiresome thing. And after doing it over and over again, you can get faint-hearted. But the truth is, if you don't sow, you don't reap. If you don't sow, you don't reap. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Don't grow weary of sowing the good works. Doing that, I know it's hard work, I know it's exhausting, but if we keep doing it in due season, we're going to reap. If we don't give up on it, if you give up midstream, if you stop watering, if you stop protecting it and weeding, and all that, you're gonna lose it. It takes a constant effort, it's not just like seed and then walk away. You got to monitor the thing, and it takes a lot of effort to reap a good harvest because it takes a lot of effort to see that whole process through and you pay up front for a return in the end but then you have to do all of this for this return and i think that's why second timothy chapter 2 verse 6 timothy understood this so well it is the hard working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops hey man if you're out there doing it owning what god gave you to do good works you're the first to share the crop go for it you worked for this Right? And it's important not to get hung up on the details of doing good. The important thing is not to grow weary in doing good. Just do good. Don't get caught up in who to do good to, what to do, when to do it, where to do it, how to do it. Just do it. Somebody has that slogan. And don't grow weary of doing it. Don't give up. And Paul warns us of this because he knows that This is exhausting work to get this. It always needs tending to. Are you doing good? Are you aware of the opportunities to do good and to be sensitive to God's timing? Are you growing weary of doing good? Don't give up. You're doing the right thing. You're doing the good thing. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Let's pray. Father, I'm so humbled and I'm so honored personally that You would work in me. Not that it's any credit to me, but it's just Your grace. And I can't take any credit for it. And Lord, I have brothers and sisters here who feel the same. And God, for those who don't sense Your presence, I pray that they would get that before anything else Because ultimately, a deeper relationship with you is what your child desires. And so God, I ask that your presence be made known to each person here in a very real way. In Jesus' name, amen.